0: Have you ever been in a chair, at a park, at a beach, watching children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, or just children at play and watching them have no fear? Jumping out of a tree, diving into the water, or creating intricate sandcastles where the imagination just takes them into places that only they can see. And then fast forward, we look at our lives now. And wonder, when did we stop acting like a child? When did we stop bringing forth what we love to do? The lack of fear, our creativity. And then we move into business. And somehow we check that personality, that person, that child at the door. And I'm not saying we need to be childish at work. But could we bring work and who we really are at the core together in business? It's just a thought. I just want you to think about it. And while you're thinking, let's listen to my amazing guest, Moralistic.
1: I look for the person who is the square peg that doesn't fit in the round hole. That's who I'm attracted to because that person is interesting to me. I want to understand. I want to know. I want to see their gift. I want to help them shine. The people that are peculiar, are the ones that are have intense curiosity about themselves and the world around them. They're not willing to settle, but they sometimes don't know how to go after what it is that they intuitively know is available inside them. And they've shut it down sometimes for so long, as you say, that they've forgotten how. And one of the things I do with my clients is teach them how to play again, how to rediscover that sense of childlike wonder, how to know that it's available to them any time of the day and giving them the tools to access
0: it. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners. And I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where every week I get to speak to amazing humans, amazing leaders, and bring their insights to you. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate and review and tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And it is my honor today to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Maura Joy Lustig. Welcome to the show, Maura. Thank you,
1: Deb. It's an honor to be here.
0: So... You have had an amazing career, a little bit from your bio, decades in management, sales, customer support, in financial services. And you've also been a solopreneur, team builder, coach, and a partner for Executives. But you know, the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show, first of all, you have an amazing journey and story, but you talk about work-life balance, being a transformational coach. I also heard your message, not just balance, but also to thrive. And I think there's a big distinction in thriving, not just having the balance and maybe just surviving. So looking forward to this conversation, would you be able to share a little bit about yourself personally and your journey? and how you've arrived at
1: doing the work that you're doing now. Well, it's a big order to fill. So let's just start at one end and work our way around the circle. I like that you used the, the, the word thrive as opposed to just survive. There's been 40 decades of this for me, of sharpening my saw, as Stephen Covey would say, of figuring out what I love to do and then doing it on purpose. And One example of that was a pivot point. You know, we're talking to, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs and professionals. It's about those turning points in their lives that help them understand who they are, what they're good at, what they don't want anymore, what they're looking for next. And then I think the it's about accept the offer. It's that listen to your heart, look for what's out there and uh, say yes and figure it out. Because it's the start that stops most people is that they are so afraid of failing. That even though they may be inspired to do something else, they they disqualify themselves before they've even begun. Instead of saying, Okay, isn't that interesting? And what if? And well, let's just try it and see. And then the journey begins. Because when you move, the universe moves with you. That's the law of attraction. And it works on yourself, not just about what you're going to attract to you to yourself from outside. So an example of that for me, you know, being a little concrete now is, you know, what happened to me when I was downsized from a financial institution in 1995, I was with a chartered bank, and I was in customer service and part time management. And I walked into work one day, by the way, I was the crazy one that, you know, was also the artist and would bring the paintings in and hide them under the desk, and then bring them out for the clients to to look at that were interested in art on the on the side. But anyways, that's just an aside. I loved my job. I loved connecting with people. And when I walked into work that day, I expected it to be a day like any other, except that I was marched into, well, not marched. I was guided into the manager's office where there was a a stranger who was there to inform me that they no longer needed my services and that I was being downsized. The bank was automating more and eliminating positions. And thank you very much for your years of service. And please get your cup, your sweater, and your pen. And they escorted me out the door. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God. Now, what I haven't mentioned, you know, again, it's always feast or famine. Things come in droves, right? So that coincided with the fact that I had recently become a single mom after a difficult separation. And here I was supporting three young children going through, a, you know, an awkward divorce and separation. And at this turning point was no job. And I went out to the car, sat there and started to ball my eyes out, you know. The meltdown was happening. What do you do with that? And turned the radio on, and these two songs came on in succession. And I just love how this happens. It's You watch for these things and know they will come. Something wonderful is always about to happen, and usually at the messiest point in your life. But you have to know that it's coming and trust the process. So for me, the two songs were, first of all, Let Her Cry. She's a lady. And the second was, It'll Be All Right. And it was like, okay. I'm listening. (laughs) So drove home, got, and it was Thanksgiving weekend, got out the newspapers and started browsing. And lo and behold, there's a course at Seneca College in corporate communications, which is not what I was doing at all, but it inspired me. And I thought, what if? And I applied and I got fast tracked into that program and graduated with honors on a condensed two year program in nine months. So one of the things that I took away from that was, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Of course, that's cliche, but also I can do anything if I put my mind to it. And it's about that that saying yes and figuring it out. It's that all in, not just testing the waters in that moment. Once I'd committed to the course, when I once I'd been accepted, it was like, okay, I'm here for a reason. What am I supposed to get out of this experience? And I toughed it out. My bedroom became my office. I worked Crazy hours. I was commuting back and forth to another city to do this. I was figuring out daycare. And out of that, what's also cool, I didn't even go into corporate communications after that. It was just one more tool in my toolkit because at the same time, I was looking at the people that were teaching, asking myself, do I want to enter their profession? Are they making a living? Are they doing, or do they look fulfilled? Why are they teaching this instead of out there doing it full time? And so as much as I was inspired by what I was learning and incorporated all of that into who I am, I returned to financial services, but with a difference. Now I became self-employed. No one would ever fire me again. And I joined a new company, immediately got my mutual funds and insurance licenses and started the process of becoming a certified financial planner over the next three years and nailed it, built a huge practice and And I didn't even stay in financial services. It lasted over a course of almost 20 years, three different institutions. And each time learning more about myself and what I love and what I don't like. And I loved building relationships. I loved making a difference. I liked focusing on what really mattered to families and then helping them achieve that. And then realized over time that financial services was not the only way to do that. That maybe there was more to me because I'm ultimately a communicator, a guide, a leader, a mentor. And I'm looking for the people who are looking for me who, who are saying there's got to be more to life. You know, they want to get off the hamster wheel, the burnout they're experiencing in whatever it is they're doing. Many of the clients I have, you know, when things start to fall apart, when the, you know, when the, what's that thing about the wheels coming off the rails? <laughs> it isn't just going to be at work. It's going to be at home. It's gonna be their health too. It's gonna to be their relationships. It's not just that they're not managing the tasks that they have been assigned to do. It's that they're feeling something's wrong all over. And they're asking themselves, how do I fix this? And I show them how.
0: So that's an amazing story. I'm inspired. My mouth is dropping <laughs> at the same time. I mean, I know our listeners can't see us right now. We can actually see each other. I'm all inspired because there's such positivity, there's such a can do. They're It seems to be a lack of a mindset or limiting mindset, but a can do. There are so often people that I come into my circle that have a, well, I can't, I've never, and all of that baggage until they say, wait, I can, I believe, I will, I will try that. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I know this is the right decision. My question for you, and first of all, you also were very soulful during some of those low points, and I'm sure they were low for you. But my question is, have you always had this can-do mindset? Because onto itself, it is inspirational. Was it always that way, or did it evolve over time? I'm curious.
1: If you've listened to my story before, you know the part about almost feeling great, too. And uh, I would say that's probably when I first learned my can-do. I had an undiagnosed learning block. And uh, my teacher recognized that the kid with the behavior problems that was always looking out the window or creating mischief, and couldn't read, couldn't understand how Dick and Spot and Jane really got together, (laughs) was maybe really just unable to to grasp how to break down words, how to understand grammar. She spoke to my parents, and my dad took it upon himself with her suggestions to teach me phonetics. He bought the flashcards. He got the chalkboard. He made me sound words out. He taught me how to attack a word and own it, and I hated him at the time course I I was eight years old the last thing I wanted to do was spend every night in the living room with a chalkboard and flashcards and yet because of his belief again this comes down to mentoring and seeing more seeing the gift in someone he knew I was good at speaking he knew I was an artist he knew I had other areas that were great so why not this there had to be a way around it if not through it I learned coping mechanisms I learned how to master words when spelling these, go on to study other languages, German, French, Russian, uh, Latin. (laughs) And I never look back.
0: So it's infectious because I've come into a number of fabulous men and women. I mentor a few women as well. And it's such an important thing. One, having somebody believe in you, Mm -hmm. seeing those gifts. I love the way you use that word, seeing those gifts, because often we can't see the gifts in ourselves. I mean, I'm a communicator. The education system told me to be quiet and I felt lost for so many years. But really, I too love to communicate, express, connect, listen, which is also part of communicating and helping people feel something as a result of the exchange. So it is a gift that I have found, you have found, and I wonder how many others out there have muted, muted their gifts because they don't have the courage or somebody hasn't seen it in them. So. I'd love to transition this to the people that you have connected with and have made an impact. I mean, I'd love to know a little bit of whether there's been an entrepreneur or a CEO of a company that maybe realized they needed something more, they were out of balance. And what
1: was that work or that experience that they had with you? I'm going to answer that in two parts. First of all, I'm going to come back to what you said about, you know, being different. I look for the person who is the square peg that doesn't fit in the round hole. That's who I'm attracted to because that person is interesting to me. I want to understand. I want to know. I want to see their gift. I want to help them shine. Like I mentioned earlier is that I was that crazy artist that would bring the paintings in and hide them under the desk (laughs) in the bank. (laughs) And the people that are peculiar are the ones that have intense curiosity about themselves and the world around them. They're not willing to settle, but they sometimes don't know how to go after what it is that they intuitively know is available inside them. And they've shut it down sometimes for so long, as you say, that they've forgotten how. And one of the things I do with my clients is teach them how to play again, how to rediscover that sense of childlike wonder, how to know that it's available to them any time of the day and giving them the tools to access it. As far as an example of working with a client, one of my clients, I mean, I just, I love all the women I work with. They're all purpose driven. That's what they have in common. They're either, you know, C suite executives or professionals. They may be doctors or accountants or they may be bookkeepers or even in network marketing. They come from different walks. But what they all have in common is that they know there's more, they know there's more to them. And they may be struggling at this point with the different challenges that have accumulated. And with these times of COVID, there's a lot of that going on. There's a loneliness epidemic. There's anxiety. There's the identity crisis of now having to work from home and of all, you know, the challenge around family responsibilities, juggling. I mean, you know, being on a call and worrying about whether the dog barks in the background, all of that, right? This is part of our reality. One of my clients I'll mention is she runs a bookkeeping firm where she has a number of employees and a number of clients that were quite demanding. And, you know, bookkeeping is a seasonal business too, right? And it's always about deadlines and it has to be right. What I found by working with her, first of all, when we first met, is that she was frustrated with clients that she had, that they were too demanding and she was having trouble collecting from people that owed her. She was having trouble because she was micromanaging her staff, not feeling that they were doing a good enough job and frustrated with their apathy. Also, relationships at home weren't in good form, struggling with a spouse, with adult children, and even with her own parents, all these boundaries and priorities that were mismatched. And I was able to help her, first of all, understand what her true why is. We talk about that, about once you understand that what you do matters and what it is that you do the best and that matters the most to you and to the person receiving it, where do you contribute? What's your highest value around that? And what gives you the most joy? Then you start to become laser-focused on saying yes to that and then looking at what can I shift here? Like For example, with her team. She learned how to stop micromanaging and instead empower and mentor. She was able to tap into their why, to support them in achieving what they wanted from working with her, and to give them more authority and, and reward around the work that was being given to them and explaining to them why it was so important, so that they, they, she got buy-in and she got support. She built a team instead of just employees at home. She was able to stop making others be responsible for her happiness. If something wasn't going well, she dropped the grudges and the expectations and was also able to finally say no if it didn't suit her purposes. She was able to detach herself from an outcome that had pulled her down a rabbit hole many times. She understood that my happiness is up to me. I am always a choice. You know, I love the Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz which is, first of all, be impeccable with your word. And your word has power, the power to build or destroy others. But the other part about your word is that if you make a promise to yourself, if you set an intention and you don't follow through, nobody knows but you, but look what you just did to your self-esteem. Every time you break a self-promise, we are our own worst critic, and especially women. When you break a self-promise, it's going to show up not just on the scales when you get up in the morning and weigh yourself. It's going to show when you walk in the door to work. As a leader, you go first. Self-leadership, self-management is where it begins. It's not your title. It's how you show up, how you communicate, who you are being in the manner, what you take a stand for, your own standards. You don't get what you want. You get your standards. You get what you give. So it better be good. He learned how to do all this. She dropped 20 pounds. She built great relationships with her families and friends. She empowered her team at work. She started doing more reading and journaling and exercising and all kinds of things. And what I do with a client is I never make them wrong. There's only good, better, or best. And they understand what can be done and how to build those habits on a daily basis, how to be able to shift their mindset and their energy, how to notice when they're starting to go into a negative space. You know, I like Jay Shetty with his book, Think Like a Monk, when he talks about spot, stop, swap. I love that because that is the whole thing about noticing. I mean, self-awareness, like we talked about self-management, self-leadership. Well, self-awareness is the key to all of that. It's noticing first, recognizing. And of course, you have to notice it in your body. That's the biggest clue. The breathing, the stomach, the sleep, you know, people that aren't sleeping well, that they have anxiety, they go into arguments too easily. Let's rewind here. Let's get to the source of where the integrity was departed from. You know, Martha Beck in her book, The Way of Integrity, she talks about this beautifully. She explains how you can discover for yourself when that moment began that led to the self sabotage later. It isn't at the same time. It's sequential. When you start to realize where you didn't honor a self-promise, when you didn't listen to your intuition, and you instead met someone else's request, that's where it went south.
0: No, it's, it's amazing insight. You know, I'm, I'm smiling here. I'm thinking about myself. And you know what? You have to develop these skills. And I think what you do is you kind of break down the process of just don't feel bad about yourself and then continue to self-sabotage. This cycle, I'll share a quick story. I woke up really early this morning. And oh my, my husband woke up really early. I didn't get my two-hour head start of getting my day laid out. And I did not behave well. And I felt bad later. He felt bad because I didn't have my space. But I think, first of all, we have to forgive ourselves when we do have a trigger or we react in a way we know is not favorable. But at least the self-awareness to say, honey, (laughs) or significant partner or other, I recognize I did this. I know what triggered it. I regret how it maybe had an impact on you. Make amends and just try to be a better person the next day and recognize those triggers again. We have to just break it down, be aware of it. what caused it, and is there a better way to react to it and just have your humility and over time you'll take back and and i don't know just serve yourself and then you can serve others.
1: Deb, yeah, you just said that perfectly. My husband and I do that for each other as well, you know, and it's a level of maturity. very few young couples have this ability, which is why they often run into the roadblocks and the you know the anger. But yeah. so at this stage in our lives, when there's a disagreement, a breakdown in energy between me and my spouse, it's like, what am I responsible for here? Not what did he do that I don't like, but wait a minute, self-check. It's okay, what can I take responsibility for? I'm, there's an unintended impact. And so rewind, where did it come from? And you know, I didn't finish when I explained the four agreements, it was the, be impeccable with your word. And I went, Quite into depth with that, but there's also the always do your best. And you know what? Your best is good enough. (laughs) But just be honest with yourself. Come back to the word, right? Was it your best? And if it wasn't, tomorrow's another day, as Scarlett O'Hara would say. And fresh start, hit that reset button and let it go. Just always be striving to do your best. And trust that others are doing that too. They're doing the best they can at this moment in time with what's available to them. It's not about you. You know, also the other two agreements is don't make assumptions and don't take it personally. And as much as we we hear that and we know that's true, we forget all the time. And we have to always remind ourselves to come back to that.
0: Beautifully said. Now, I would love to take this in another direction because I think this is something I recently came into. I want to talk about physical well-being and connection. I think you have evolved this so much into your brand about taking care of the physical well-being before you can even, I guess, start having those conversations, make different choices, create the life that you want based on purpose. I recently, you know, thought I was going to focus on clients and my brand and then well health and well-being. And I got okay. I got the revenue. I got some brand recognition. But I realized at the end of the day, the health and well-being was not exactly where I wanted to be. It was better, but not where I wanted to be. And I changed the priority in 2021 to health and well-being first. I check that first thing in the morning. Then I'll talk about how do I build connection with more people, build the brand in the hopes that the revenue will come. And so far it is serving me, if nothing else, I, the brand, the person that tries to keep it together at home with the family, along with my partner, I feel better about myself. So there is something I believe in the work that you do with others. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about physical well-being.
1: And connection. I just love chatting with you because we're on the same wavelength. I mean, it's, it's so true. If you think about it in business, I mean what are we all doing this for anyways? Ultimately what we want is freedom and joy. And uh, like joy comes from the feeling of freedom. So if my if my goal every day is to experience joy, and if that's yours as well, and we know that joy partially comes from feeling like we matter, that what we're doing means something, that it is contributing to others, whether it's a legacy or not. That's a goal, but it doesn't have to be something that's an obsession. It's that we are creating joy for ourselves through giving up ourselves to ourselves and to others. I like to explain that at this stage in my life, what I see is so many women that in- instead of giving themselves permission, they've been giving themselves away. And I teach them how giving themselves permission can be saying yes and saying no, it can be both. And it starts with self care. And that ties in with your question around morning, morning rituals. How do I start? My my morning is sacred. I don't negotiate. I'm usually up between 4.30 and 5. And at that time, it's quiet time. I'm journaling. I am processing. I am planning. I'm setting my intentions for the day and writing my power thoughts, my gratitudes. And then I have special time with Jeff. We have a half an hour together every morning before he heads to the clinic. We have our coffee, and we often just sit silently together. Imagine having someone that you don't even have to say a word to, you just get to be with, and that's enough too. And then when either of you feels like talking, that's okay, but you don't need to fill the void. And I love people that are genuinely curious and interested and always looking for a way to learn and grow. So I start with that. He walks out the door to go to work, and I head out the door for my hike after I do my (laughs) push-ups. I do 40 push-ups at a time every morning because with the gyms closed, I'm still doing that. And then I walk for over an hour. And while I'm walking, like I have it stacked. And when I hydrated first too, okay, like I've got the supplements and the minerals and the vitamins in me. I'm doing it all. You know, there's an order that I make sure that I don't forget something, right? Then when I walk out the door, I'm listening to a book. And I may be doing a little bit of texting at different times, touching base with a client as I think of them and sending them love, sending them something to to, just to let them know that I'm thinking of them. And then the books that I read, like right now, I just finished Seth Godin's The Practice. And before that, it was Martha Back, The Way of Integrity. Before that, it was Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. And the next one I've just started is Essentialism. And oh, I'm going blank on the name. It doesn't matter. But you get the idea, right? And I'm not reading them because I have to. I'm reading them because I want to. This is the juice of life for me because I pay that forward. You cut me, I bleed. Byron Katie and Abraham Hicks and all of this. It's just in my DNA.
0: Beautifully said. You know, again, inspired by what you've accomplished helping your clients just not only just survive, have that balance, but also focus in on their well being. I find it is so very important. But I am curious, one of the things in your material you talk about, chaos to clarity. Is it that bridge from, okay, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not feeling joy and freedom to, what is my purpose or why is there anything else behind chaos
1: to clarity? And I know those are terms that you use as well. I listened to you talking about your book and those were terms you used and I love it. We have. There's a lot in common here. Yeah. <laughs> You're only as strong as your systems. Now That's good. And we, we all know that's true in any company as well. Right. And systems in terms of our own self-care are about discipline and about being aligned with values that drive every decision. So that it becomes very simple saying yes and no. And you have a checklist, maybe an, an emotional checklist in your mind of how many of my values does this request line up with? And if it doesn't, it's not happening. I'll just say no right away. But if I'm inspired by the request, then I will say yes, even if I don't know how, and then I will figure it out. I was inspired when I was asked if I would please teach art workshops. I never thought I was qualified, even though I guess I am, because <laughs> they keep coming back for more. But I you know, didn't have the fine art degree. I was simply a lifelong artist and had been in galleries and showing my work and exhibiting and attending conferences all my life. But I didn't think I qualified as, without the degree. The, the retreat in France that I hosted in 2019, I'd never hosted a retreat before, although I'd been on many. And then I was asked if I would please come and lead a retreat. And it was like, I felt so inspired. It was like, of course, I'll do it. I don't know how yet, but yes. <laughs> and it was a huge success. And now I'm doing another one. And you just keep building on what works, figuring out the things that you want to improve on. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. You know, what it is from your energy is that anything that, first of all, the universe comes to you and says, tap on your shoulder, Mara. You might want to think about this. You enter it into, um, hmm, interesting. It aligns with my beliefs. I'd love to try that. So many people sell themselves short when they say, ah, I've never done that before. I'm not sure I can. I mean, I launched a podcast. I've never done a podcast, but I love talking to people and sharing stories. It's just the willingness to try, surround yourself with people that care and are willing to guide you because they have your back. Even, I'll mention it, Peter Gorel. Peter Gorl introduced us and he once said, Deb, get over yourself because he saw something in me but I was too rigid in my delivery and communications. And he realized there was something deep inside. Having people like that, having people like Maura uh, around you are what you need when you want to say yes, when in the past you said no. So inspiring. (laughs) So you have so much to offer and we could go on and on because our insights about taking care of oneself first, knowing when to say yes, when no, finding that purpose and joy I'm so inspired. I love it. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. But for people that may want to be interested in your work to learn more, what are some thoughts you want to share with them that that maybe they could do now and or resources that you may provide them to learn more about your work and how they can start taking the journey towards freedom and
1: joy? Oh, thank you, Deb. And you mentioned Peter. And like you, I find Peter to be an amazing inspiration to me. He's just He's got a heart of service and one of the most creative minds I've ever met. As far as how people could reach out to me and learn more, well, there's many ways to connect with me, if you just even Google my name, but think it where I have hosted my online course. So I would suggest that people enjoy the free first lesson and the entire preview of my program. Have a discovery call with me. Enjoy my download of hitting the reset button strategies. And reach out to me on LinkedIn or go to my website, morajoylustic.com. I'm easy to find. And I really love having either a virtual coffee or a full discovery session and helping, even in that short period of time, give my guest one actionable step because I can see very quickly into the heart and soul of someone who's willing to open up and answer the questions I will ask.
0: Mari, you're a beautiful person. Just that last little note about being able to look and see into the heart and soul. You know, life is so busy and also very short. When We don't take the time to connect with humanity. We miss tremendous opportunities and also for the person that wants to relinquish themselves to opportunity. That's what you do. So I am grateful for having you on as a guest and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for being a great guest.
1: Thank you, good.
0: Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, the CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow.